Hi, this is John Ankerberg, and today I want to present to you my very, very good friend, Dr. Wayne Barber. For 18 years, he was pastor of the huge Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was co-teacher with Kay Arthur for 14 years at Precept Ministries. He studied with Dr. Spiro Zodiades and co-hosted with him the national radio and TV program, New Testament Light, for 10 years. Wayne has taught the message of living grace which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, all around the world. He is president, founder, and principal speaker of Living Grace Ministries. And in February of 2011, he returned to Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as senior pastor. Wayne's authored several books. The most recent one is entitled, Living Grace, Letting Jesus Be Jesus in You. And he has also co-authored, The Following God, series of studies published by AMG. I hope that you'll enjoy listening to Dr. Wayne Barber. Would you be seated? And all God's people said, well, I hope y'all are listening to the words that we sing in these praise chords. I just love them. They're just so powerful. Turn with me, if you will, tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses actually 7 through 12. We're going to start at 6, but you'll see that's in the introduction verses 7 through 12 tonight. We're going to, we've been talking about the grace of giving. And tonight I want to talk about the principles of spontaneous giving. We need to learn these, and they're so beautifully brought out as, as Paul writes his letter to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians. We've been pushing our way through this verse by verse since now almost a year. <laughs> and we're still in chapter 8. But that's okay. <laughs> we're not in a race the principles of spontaneous giving. So encouraging, and it's, it's really downright thrilling to watch a believer, watch a believer, who has chosen to live under grace. How many times have we said this in the last three and a half years that I've been with you, that grace is the transforming and enabling power of God in our lives? That's what grace is. And it is Christ living his life in and through us. I remember the days not that long ago when Michael Jordan raised the level on which basketball should be played. Uh, how many of you remember the little, I like Mike, or I want to be like Mike, and, and everybody got into that thing, type of thing. Uh, people bought t Nike tennis shoes thinking they're going to play ball like Mike. And they even ate the cereal that had his name on it because they're going to play ball like Mike. Uh, some of them even bought Hanes underwear trying to play ball like Mike. <clears throat> But nobody can play ball like Mike. If Wayne Barber was to play ball like Michael Jordan, then Michael somehow would have to come and get inside of Wayne because only Mike can play like Mike. And it's the same exact understanding. None of us can be like Jesus. Jesus needs to be Jesus in us. That's why he came to live in us to do through us what we could never do. Christ living in us, not only motivates but enables us to witness, to pray, to live a holy life, to love unloving people, to repent when we're wrong, and on and on. But in our context tonight, Christ living in the life of a believer will particularly be manifested in the area of giving. That's what Paul's bringing up. This, we didn't, I didn't write 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's writing, and, and he's trying to bring this up to the Corinthians. This is exactly what he illustrates for us and for the Corinthians by using the example of the impoverished churches of Macedonia. 
Now, there were three of those churches, the church of Philippi, the church of Thessaloniki, or Thessalonica, as we'd say, the church of Berea, had undergone such severe persecution. Some scholars say that they were probably fired from their jobs. They were they were by law denied the, the right to buy food for their families. And for all purposes, because of their Christianity, because they loved Jesus, they were destitute. But this had absolutely no effect upon their giving. Paul says in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 8, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. The word poverty is that little word we looked at last week, tokia. It means a situation where one is totally unable to help himself. But you see, this, this difficult time in their life simply drove them to Jesus and allowed him to live his life through them. And because of Christ living in them, being allowed to live through their lives, they gave to the needs of others. They gave, and they gave, and they gave more, and then they begged for the opportunity of even giving beyond that. Now, this grace giving that was seen in the Macedonian believers will never be seen in a self-centered, stingy believer's life. I mean, that's just the way it is. In verse 5 of our text in chapter 8, Paul points to the secret of their grace giving. They were living under the absolute lordship of Christ. He says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Verse 5, and this not as we had expected. Their giving had overwhelmed Paul, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Do you realize if we're ever going to participate in this grace of giving that God has given to us in Christ, if we're ever going to do that, a believer must first of all learn to live under the lordship of Christ. We have to we'd be willing to give ourselves to him without exception before giving will ever be what it should be in our lives. To do that, a believer's got to start understanding lordship. He's got to understand it. Lordship means exactly that. Lordship. For instance, the Macedonians understood that lordship meant ownership. Jesus owns it all. Giving to the Macedonian church that Paul brings up as an example to the Corinthians here was simply a matter of Christ directing the heart of those believers to give his money where he wanted it given. What a contrast to the stingy, self-centered and wealthy Corinthian believers. I mean, a huge night and day contrast. It wasn't as if the Corinthians didn't understand. Oh, no. Paul had taught them very well that they were not their own, that they were bought with a price, which ought to help everybody to understand what it means to be under his ownership and lordship. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own. He says, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. They understood lordship. They understood ownership when it came to God's owning them and purchasing them on the cross. But the difference is the Macedonians got it. The Corinthians, no, they were still living in their own whims of their flesh, but the, the Macedonians got it. And they first gave themselves to the Lord. 
The word give and the phrase they first gave of themselves is the word vidomi, which means to give without any argument, no questions asked. Lord, I'm yours. You own me. You died for me. Everything I have, you own. It's all yours. You just direct my life. Lord, I want Jesus to be Jesus in my life. You just tell me what you want me to do. And Lord, thank you. You live in me to enable everything you demand from me. That little phrase there they first gave of themselves is aorist indicative active. Active means they gave of their own choice. Nobody, no preacher had to get up and beat them over the head with a baseball bat. These were people that really loved Jesus. And so they freely and openly and willingly gave themselves to his lordship. Nobody coerced them. When we surrender to Christ this way, you see, then we begin to experience his nature in us. Giving becomes a reflex, not a burden, not a subject we don't want to hear about. It becomes a reflex of our heart because it's his heart beating in ours. Well, in our study today, and what we're going to come to, the text we're going to look at today, it's time now. It's time for the wealthy Corinthian believers to put up or shut up. Did you hear about the guy who went fishing all the time and always came back with a good catch? And the people began to notice that even though he came back with a big catch, he, he never took a fishing rod. <laughs> he took a little box, and they thought that was his tackle box. And sure enough, the, the, the game warden got suspicious. How's he getting all this fish and doesn't even have a fishing rod? I'm going to go with him. So he called him and said, can I go with you? He said, sure, come on. They got out to his favorite spot. The game warden had his fishing rod, but the other guy didn't have one. And the other guy opened up what the game warden thought was his tackle box, and inside was, I don't know how many sticks of dynamite. And he took one stick of dynamite, and he lit it and threw it out in the water, and boom, and hundreds of fish were knocked out by the blast. And he just went over and started picking them up and putting them in the boat. The game warden looked at him and said, man, you can't do that. That's against the law. And the old boy didn't bat an eye. He just took out another stick of dynamite, lit it, pitched it to the game board and said, you're going to talk, you're going to fish. <laughs> Put up <laughs> or shut up. <laughs> you're going to talk, you're going to fish. It's time, it's time for the Corinthians to come up with, are they going to talk, are they going to fish? Are they going to do what they already know to do? Are they going to be obedient to what God's put on their heart? Now, Paul was sending Titus back to the church, and he was going to collect this offering they were supposed to be taking up during that time. In verse 6, it says, So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. What he's talking about is evidently when Titus did took that third letter, he reminded them of that offering that they were supposed to be taking up for the church, in, the poor church in Jerusalem. And they hadn't done much about it. And so now he says he's coming back and he's going to take up the offering. Now, let's get with the program. Either fish or cut bait. I mean, what are you going to do? Paul so wanted their giving to be spontaneous. You know, this is the heart of any pastor, any teacher, anybody, to want to see people give because of the thrill of it, because of what God's doing in their life, spontaneously giving. Not because, he wanted people to give not because they had to, but because they, they were able to. They got to. It was a privilege to do this. Now, for giving to be spontaneous, if that's what God wants to do in our hearts, and it is, then there are at least three different principles we've got to learn. We've got to learn this. We've got to get it down or it'll never happen in our lives. And I want you to know, folks, the greatest joy of your life is when God frees you in this area of giving. I'm telling you straight out. 
I've been there. I understand what I'm saying. But there are three things we've got to understand before this will ever take place. First of all, we've got to understand that giving is equal to all that grace offers. Giving is equal to all that grace offers. Now, Paul is going to emphasize the high spiritual status of giving. He wants them to understand it's on the same plane as anything else that, that God produces in a person's life. Now, you have to understand, the Corinthians had a warped view of spiritual gifts. As you, if you've ever studied 1 Corinthians, you've already seen that. They love the emotional gifts, as chapter 12 will talk about in 1 Corinthians. They tended to rank the gifts to what they thought were greater or lesser gifts. So Paul had to spend three whole chapters in 1 Corinthians trying to straighten this thing out. Chapters 12, 13, <clears throat> and 14. Now with this in mind, you can understand what he's doing here. He wants them to see that giving is also a manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in your life, of the Spirit of Christ working in a person's life. Giving is a manifestation of that. There is no gift that in any way outranks giving. Witnessing doesn't outrank giving. Uh, preaching does not outrank giving. I mean, you can find people that are, are gifted and, 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 and you, you think they're really walking with God, but if they're stingy, that's an oxymoron. They can't do that. That's what Paul's going to be trying to get across. He says in verse 7, But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see to it that you abound in this gracious work also. Now, although Paul only mentions a few, uh, Paul had said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 4 through 7 that they were not lacking in any gift. So he's not mentioning everything here. He just goes back and reaches and grabs a couple here. He says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 1, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. The grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. Notice the wording. That in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, <clears throat> so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not lacking in any gift. Because they had Christ within them, because they had the grace of God working in their hearts, they were not lacking in any gift. So in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, he doesn't mention them all. He mentions two of them and adds a couple to them. But his point is to show you how grace is on the same, I mean, giving is on the same level as any other work of grace in a person's life. He wants them to see that, that taking the offering is not down here somewhere, that giving, what, what people do in giving is up, is up with everything else, the status, the high spiritual status that giving has. He mentions faith. Now, this is the ability to, 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 to believe God and to obey His Word. That's what faith is. You can't separate faith from obedience. Faith is the root of all of the gifts, which are the spiritual abilities that God's grace offers. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So it's impossible to please God without faith, and it's even faith is a gift of His grace. It's His faith operating within us. Now, we, next we see utterance. And some people who don't go any deeper in studying God's Word think He's talking about the gibberish and the unknown tongue they were speaking in. Oh, couldn't be further from the truth. The Word is the word logos. And make sure you understand this word. 
Logos is always, always, always the intelligent, communicable, and understandable word that someone teaches or someone speaks. It's never something you can't understand. It's never something that doesn't communicate. It's never something that's not intelligent. Jesus is the living logos of God. It is those, what he's talking to here, it's those who in the church are gifted to speak intelligent truth. They speak right doctrine. And that was in Corinth. Even though the false teachers were plaguing them, they had this element of that grace. He uses the word knowledge. The word knowledge is gnosis. It comes from the word gnosko, which is the spiritual ability to understand deep truths of God's Word and then bless the body with what you have discovered. It's a beautiful thing. Next, he mentions earnestness. And that's a new one. He says, but just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all earnestness, it's the word spoothie. And spoothie, it's a diligence. It's the diligence to be about the things of God. It, it's divine urgency that God puts within a person's life. And it's the dependability to follow through with what God has spoken. Next, he mentions love. He says, and in the love we inspired in you. And he speaks specifically of their love manifested towards him and his team. Of course, love is the fruit of God's Spirit. You, you can fake a lot of the gifts, but you can't fake the fruit of God's Spirit working in a believer. Now, he's got a beautiful list here. And he says, you're not lacking in anything. Look, look what God's given you because of the grace that you have in Christ Jesus. And then he says, now see to it that you abound in this gracious work also. He calls giving a gracious work, literally, in this grace also. He uses a definite article to show you that he's talking about something specific, which the context would say would be giving. You see, giving is a part of the grace package that we all receive in the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said last week, for a believer to say he's walking with Christ, and I said it a while ago, and, and, and even though he's doing miracles maybe, and, to, and witnessing and praying and all this kind of stuff, and he's a stingy individual taking from others rather than having a giving heart that's absolutely, as I said, it's an oxymoron. Giving is part of the grace package. You can't leave it out. If it's left out, there's something missing in someone's walk under the lordship of Christ. So Paul is telling the believers at Corinth, it's time for them to step up. Come on, guys, step up. Prove yourselves to be who I now know you are. Prove yourselves to be genuine by your willingness to give. Giving is just as much a, a, an expression of spirituality, of God working in our lives as preaching, witnessing, or anything else that we do. Giving is equal to all that grace offers. Somebody told me last week when I was standing out in the fellowship mall on Sunday morning between the two services, they said, Wayne, I just, I just want to shout when you're talking today. And I said, why? They said, we came out of a church, and I don't know where it was. They came into Hoffmantown. And they said, Wayne, when they gave the offering, the people started clapping and started yelling, hallelujah, hallelujah. They, they were so thrilled to be able to give. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Where is this place? I want to get the address. Well, it almost sounds like it's a foreign language, doesn't it, in this greedy 21st century we live in? You see, this is important to understand. Oh, Brother Wayne, I want to be spiritual. Good. I want to live under the Lordship of Christ. Good. Now, what does that mean, Brother Wayne? Are you sure you want to know? It means he owns everything. 
And he is the one who directs everything that goes on in your life. Even that which you think you have is not yours. It's his. And giving is a part of the grace package. Carries the same status as anything else God wants to do in a person's life. Secondly, we must learn, if we're going to have spontaneous giving in our life, that giving is an example of God's love in us. It's an example of it working itself out. Verse 8 and 9. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Boy, these are powerful words here. Paul says the most unusual thing. He, he's, and, and, and to me, it helps me find a message, a balance in the message of grace, of even preaching it. He says, I'm not speaking this as a command. Now you say, now what's so odd about that? Ooh, that, that, that really grabbed my attention. If you've studied 1 Corinthians, then the first time he brought up this offering, it wasn't a suggestion he gave to them. It was a command. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, if you want to look there. It says, now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. In other words, the offering's already been taken up. In that passage, Paul instructs them not only in the fact that they are to give, he even tells them how that they are to go about this process of giving. He says on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save. And by the way, that's a great idea, a great place to start. On every Sunday, which is the first day to a believer, the day of resurrection, the first day of the week, they were to put aside money for this offering. Now, the words put aside, this is, this is important, are in the present active imperative. It's a present active imperative ver uh, verb. Present tense means you keep on doing it. This is not a one-time thing. No, 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 no. This is every week, every week you set aside. Active voice means without any coercion. In other words, just, let this be your own choice to do this. Don't, don't make somebody have to beat you up. Imperative mood says this is not an option. This is a command. And so he puts it in a very clear command form of not only that they are to give, but the way they were to go about giving. But in 2 Corinthians, he says, I'm not speaking this to you as a command. Now you say, well, what's going on here? I, I tell you, this really struck me in my study. In 2 Corinthians, the believers of Corinth had impressed Paul. How? They had responded in obedience for the first time. He finally has a, a renewed confidence in their walk with God. There, this renewed confidence causes him not to have to put it in a command form. And God really opened my eyes to this this week, and I hope it's as thrilling to you as it is to me. Have you ever noticed that the people who understand the message of living grace, that are living surrendered to him, they will evangelize, they will pray, they will give. And, and these are just simply consequences of the life of Jesus living in their life. You don't have to harp on any of them if you've got everybody walking that way. But if a believer's not walking that way, you have to bring it up over and over and over again as a command, not an option. You see, the sad fact is that most of the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century and in the days of Paul were not living under that grace understanding. They were not living under the lordship of Christ. They, they were in and out. So the point 
that Paul had to continually put these markers in their life because they didn't have a clue what it was all about to be fully surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. You see, what happens to a lot of people is they want, they want grace. They love the message of grace. But to them, it has no responsibility at all tagged to it, and that is not the proper understanding of grace. You can't walk in the privilege of who Christ is in your life without understanding the responsibility of yielding to him in all different areas of your life. And so when you have a mixture you can see why Paul commanded them in the first time he wrote them. He told them in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he said, you're spiritual babies. You will not come out of the nursery. You still are nothing more than pampering your flesh. But now in 2 Corinthians, there's been a change in this church. They have responded. In fact, that's the reason he even writes 2 Corinthians is their response to that third letter. So he doesn't command them. He, he doesn't command them. He simply wants them to allow Christ to prove them their, their, their walk through their giving, to, for them to be proven genuine through their giving. He wanted Christ and his giving heart to be seen in them. And in verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word know is to experientially know, gnosko. It means to experientially understand this. Paul is saying, listen, to the church of Corinth, he says, you know the grace of God. You wouldn't be saved if you haven't tasted of the grace of God. You, you, what you have experienced at salvation was because of what he chose to do for you. The sacrifice of the Macedonians, that's a great thing. But it's still only pointing to the greatest sacrifice, which was the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest example of what giving is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave. The very word grace in the phrase, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, shows them and shows us that none of us deserve it. God owed us nothing. We owed him everything. But he chose to give and by what he explains here in the verse, he said that though he was rich, refers to his divine recognition as a son of God. And what it shows here, and think carefully what he's saying here, that in no way did who he was or what he had stop him from doing what he did for the sake of all mankind. What he had didn't keep him from giving. Who he was didn't keep him from giving. Though he was rich, describes the estate he held before he came to earth. As John tells us in John 17, 5, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world ever was. That's that richness of, of what he had before. But Christ left his throne in glory. The Son of God stooped down, humbling himself for the sake of others. Philippians 2.6 says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And the word grasped means to hold on to, to be, to be unwilling to lay it down. He was willing. He was willing in the richness of the state in which he dwelt to lay it down and to come down here and give himself on a cross for you and me. I'll tell you what, when you put the unselfishness of, of Christ himself into the context of one's giving, it screams at us in the greedy world of the 21st century, doesn't it? It speaks, speaks volumes to us. 
Have you ever heard this kind of remark? If he lives in me, then that same attitude is going to be in me. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, and it's this very thing. Have you ever heard somebody make an ignorant remark like this? I'm not giving him my money. I'm not going to give them a dime of my money. You know why? They don't deserve to have my money. Hmm. That's a real wise statement, isn't it? Do you think that we deserve for Christ to do what he did for us when he came down to this earth and died for us? Anybody want to raise your hand and say, you deserved it tonight? And if he lives in me, deserving it has nothing to do with it. It's his heart beating in our heart. Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. He was clothed with the garment of the frailty of human flesh, with no reputation among men. And because of his grace, his willingness to stoop down, to lower himself for the sake of others, to pay a debt on the cross he didn't know. When we owed a debt we could not pay, many and many, including the Corinthians and us tonight, were made spiritually rich because of that giving heart that God had in doing what he did. You see, Paul says this to a church that was very wealthy and on top of that very stingy. So Paul says, listen, I've seen what you've done over here. I see a difference in you, so I'm not going to command you in this. I'm giving you an opportunity to show the unselfishness of Christ that lives in you by the way in which you respond in giving. You see, for our giving to be spontaneous, we have got to learn, first of all, that giving is, is equal to all that grace offers. You, you can't talk about anything somebody does spiritually and take out giving from the equation. It's up there with the rest of it because that's the heart of God. But secondly, giving is an example of God's love working in us. That's what it is. You see, Christ in us hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has the same heart to give today in me that he did before he ever came to die for me on the cross. Well, then thirdly, finally tonight, giving is our effectual response to his provision in our lives. You know, if there's one thing that I wish I could go back and redo in the 62 years I've been on this earth and the years that I've been a believer would be to start being grateful for what I had. Isn't it funny? You almost have to lose it before you even start appreciating it. And if a man is not grateful for what he has, the Macedonians were grateful for it. They were rich in Christ. They didn't have a lot of material possessions, but they certainly were grateful people. And giving begins and with this in mind. It's an effectual response to his provision in our lives. Look at verses 10 through 12. I give my opinion in this matter, he says, for this is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this, but also to desire to do it? But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Well, verse 10, when Paul says, I give my opinion, I want you to understand that, because he uses that in other places. He uses it over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 7. It doesn't mean that it's not inspired by God. A lot of people get hung up on that. The Word of God is inspired by God. And when he gives his opinion, it's still under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Instead of commanding them, he wants to give them a, a, an, a, a, an opinion. This is divine wisdom in Paul that God was giving to him. 
that he did not command them. As he says back in verse 8, I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm not going to command you. Instead, he gives his sanctified opinion because he wanted them to live spontaneously, to give spontaneously. That was his whole heart. And I'm not going to command you to do something that I know that God is not doing in your life. I want you to, to, to give spontaneously. Giving is the effectual and grateful response to God's provision in our lives. It should not have to be commanded. This should be a message that would never need to be preached. If people were just simply grateful and understood what they had came from him and he owns it all. Just a grateful heart. I give my opinion in this matter, he says, for this is to your advantage. The this is not his opinion. The this is their giving. There's been a lot of controversy as to what the this referred to. The this is referring to their spontaneous giving for this offering. This is going to be for your benefit. This is going to be for your advantage. But the understanding of that word advantage means this is simply fitting to you. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that you had a desire to give and then to exp- not to express that desire in fulfilling it. it. makes no sense. It's fitting that you continue because it started back here and you showed an interest back here. Now fulfill it. It's fitting to you. Paul encouraged them to spontaneously finish what they'd started. He says, but now finish doing it also so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, it points back to when it was there, so there may be also a completion of it by your ability. Oh, me. I was thinking about this in my life. Have any of you ever noticed how quickly we make promises to give? Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> when we built the building in Chattanooga at Wilden Park, everybody's just going to give everything. Man, it was awesome. We had a banquet one night. Nobody signed anything because I don't believe in doing that. But they just wrote down what they were willing to give. And it was so exciting to see the willingness of the people, the desire to give. Have you ever noticed how quickly that desire floats out the window? And five years later, when you're in the midst of it, and you're overwhelmed by it, and it's the tail wagging the dog because you're always under debt, and you can't seem to get out from under the debt, the people that desired to give, the people that promised to give, aren't fulfilling what they said God had given them as a desire. That's Corinth. I'm not making this up. And he said, just as you desired it, It's fitting for you to fulfill it. Give what you said you were going to give is what he's telling them. And he doesn't impose upon the Corinthians a level of giving that the Macedonians gave. He's still shocked by that. He doesn't do that because there's two levels of giving. There's there's, There's a giving out of what a person can do, and there's a giving beyond, over and above, and he knows they have no clue about that at all. So he does not impose that upon the Corinthian believers. The Macedonians' ability gave beyond their ability. And like I said, Paul was still caught off guard. But Paul says to the Corinthians, to, to give by your ability. But now finish doing it also so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. He continues in verse 12, For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what you have. It's acceptable. You don't have to go beyond that not according to what he does not have. Another way of translating that, I think a better way, is when he says, for if the readiness is present, if you really do want to give, if you really meant what you said back there when we first brought this offering to you and then Titus reminded you of it, if you really want to give, then at least start by giving what you have. 
Don't, don't worry about this other's grace giving. Don't worry about the abundance of what could take place in your life. Just give out of what you have. Every week, lay it aside. Be laying it aside. You're supposed to have been doing that. Now Titus is coming back to pick it up. Hopefully you've been doing that. What Paul is asking the Corinthians to give, again, is nothing compared to what I call grace giving. That's, that's over and above everything. But at least it's a place to start with what a person has. It's always the place, I think, to start. Spontaneous giving starts with what you have, being grateful for it but understanding whose it is and being willing to set aside that which God directs in your life to give. But as one continues to walk with the Christ, I promise you this, I promise you this, under his lordship, under his ownership, he will give beyond, over and above what he has to the point that even the apostles of that day would have to, if they were living today, would stand up and say, whew, that's beyond what we expected. That's awesome. There must be a God around here somewhere. That's the Macedonian church. But Paul does not lay that on the Corinthians. He says, just give out of what you have. Giving was equal to all the grace that grace offers. We're going to have to learn that if we're going to walk and live in spontaneous giving. We're going to have to learn that giving is an example of God's love working in us. That's where it comes from. And we're going to have to realize that giving is our effectual response to his provision in our lives. We understand what we have and what we can give, and we're willing to give out of that because that's who God is in our lives. You know, some people look at me, and when I talk about this grace giving, say, Wayne, that scares me. Listen, don't you even go there. Don't you even go there. You let the Holy Spirit take you there. And I want to tell you, when you get there, you're going to have a joy that's beyond anything you could ever imagine. I remember when Dinah and I first began to understand, not just giving, we understood that, grace giving. When God would tell us spontaneously in a moment, not emotional, not a knee-jerk reaction, give this. I remember during that days, my mama sent me a $50 bill. Now, you have to understand, this is ways back. $50 was a $50. <laughs> and when I got that $50 bill, I hadn't seen but a few of them in my whole entire life. And I got that thing, and I looked at it, and I'm thinking, whoa, $50. And I'm thinking of everything I can buy, shells, hunting boots, all kinds of stuff for the family, you know. And it was like God said, this is not yours, Wayne, for my birthday. You keep it, and I'll tell you it's mine, and I'll tell you when I want you to give it. Two months go by, and I've been carrying that thing in my billfold, and it's wearing a hole in my pocket. I want to spend that thing. And God said, don't you dare. Don't you touch it. It's not yours. Never was yours. Your mother was just a, 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 a conduit to get it to you so I can get it to who I want. A guy walked in our church one day in, in Campus Crusade, and he said, Wayne, can you help support me in the church? I said, gosh, golly day, we've, we've already gone through our budget. And we've already set it for the year, but I'll tell you what, can I give on a one-time basis? He said, well, Sure. And I pulled that $50 out and I gave it to Carlos. And I said, Carlos, that's all I got. That's all I've got. But when I got it, mama, my, my mama sent it to me. God told me it wasn't mine, and I gave it to him. And I began to understand something. You don't give because of this, but you'll discover it when you start giving. You, don't, you never give because of it. If you do, you're going to be broke. But giving is not an investment program. Giving is a response to the Lordship of Christ. But you're going to learn you cannot outgive God. How many have already learned that in your life, in your Christian walk? Yes, sir, you cannot outgive him. You don't give because of that, but you'll learn that. That afternoon, some people called and said, we'd like to take you to Jackson, Mississippi. We were in Lexington, Mississippi at the time. And they said, we want you to, uh, we will take you to, 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 out to eat and just have a good time. 
Well, I had an old 73 Buick that would overheat 30 miles from home. I used to park it with my keys in it and the windows rolled down, hoping somebody would steal it. And, and so I parked my Buick right there beside the church, rolled the windows down, had the keys in the ignition, and I was just thinking, maybe tonight's the night. <laughs> I get rid of this thing. We got in there in a nice car, big Oldsmobile, big nice thing, air conditioning, all oh, that really worked. And we rode all the way to Jackson. They took us to the mall, and, I mean, to eat, and then took us to a mall and bought my wife a purse. And Dinah came out, and, and she said to me, Wayne, this purse costs $25. And my, my mind was working. And I was thinking, wonder where the other 25 is. I gave 50 this morning. Wonder where the other 25 is. Do you think I'm kidding you? When I got home, when I, there was my car, doggone it, was still sitting there. And I walked over and opened the door. And when I got in, the, the visor was down. And I never have it down. And it hit me in the head. And I backed off. And I said, well, good night. And I looked up. And there were two 20s and a $5 bill clipped to my visor with a note that said we were riding by and saw your car and God told us to give you this $25. Praise God. And son, you could have heard me shout for 25 counties. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If you hadn't even started giving out of what you have, don't worry about what I'm telling you because you won't understand it. It's a different level. The Corinthians would have had no clue what the Macedonians were doing. A few weeks later, a college came over, brought a van, <laughs> they were sitting out there. They came to hear me, drove 60 miles. I knew the BSU director, Gladys Bryant, and I looked out there and saw Gladys and all those kids, and God just told, this just clear as a bell, said, Wayne, I want you to take all those college kids out to eat. And I'm thinking, this can't be God because there's 17 of them at least are crammed in that van. I don't have that kind of money. I didn't have $10 in my pocket. And God said, you take them out to eat. We only had one place to go, and that was 17 miles away at a truck stop on I-55. Good food. Greasy stuff. I mean, it goes down real easy. While we had the welcome to visitors, I walked over to Miss Gladys, and I said, Miss Gladys, you won't understand what I'm about to say, but God just put on my heart, I want to take every one of your group out to eat today. And she said, Wayne, you can't afford that. I said, hey. God told me to do it. Finished the service, and I'm thinking, all right, God, how are you going to do this one? And I walked out, and people were walking by, and I love when people shake your hand, and they got something inside of it. Oh, that's just so exciting. When you know it's something, a gift. And I saw it. It was green, folded up. And this old boy said, I, I had this in my pocket this morning. God just told me to give it to you, Wayne. I just want to tell you how much I love you. Got in the car, took them over $75. The bill was $72 and about 75 cents after I put the, the tip on it. And I'm thinking, God, you even gave me two extra bucks on the whole thing. And I want to tell you, that started a journey. Now, listen, when you get excited about that and you start giving because of that, then God won't return it back. You can never have getting as a, as a motive of your giving. I'm just trying to tell you that when you get into supernatural giving, when you get into grace giving, it's beyond just giving out of what you have. It's by the direction of the Lordship of Christ. And if you don't walk with him, don't even touch what I'm talking to you about. But when you hit that, I'm telling you, it's the greatest freedom you have ever had in your life. And you will give with such a hilarity that nobody will understand you. And it will carry you right into glory. Say, Brother Wayne, I, I really want to live under the Lordship of Christ. You know where most of our problems are? It's right there. It's right there. The very thing he's talking to the Corinthians about is the very thing that's keeping most of us from enjoying what God says is ours in him. It's giving. I can't say it with any more passion in my heart. It's tender to me. It's special to me. If I had Diana up here, she could echo every word I'm saying tonight. It has, it has bled into our family, to our kids. It's incredible what this does. I've got a hundred stories to tell you. 
And maybe one night we'll start getting some of them out. Let me ask you a question. How's your giving? Oh, oh, this is Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> well, hobby dog, you know, I didn't plan any of this. I didn't put this as a series I was going to do through Christmas. I didn't have any idea we'd hit this. They asked me uh, two months ago where I'd be, and I said, are you kidding? I ain't got a clue. Uh, God put us here. I tell you, because he wants to free this church, and especially in the area of giving, to quit worrying about it and do what he tells you to do. And if you can't figure one out, just give out of what you have. Every week, set it aside and start learning to do it that way and watch where that'll take you. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.